Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, well, welcome and happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Hope you're having a great day. The theme, every time I ask somebody, I'm like, hey, what are you doing today? They're like, not much, not much, not much, not much. Um, but good. That's what dads like to do, apparently. We just, we just like to do not much. But happy Father's Day. Hope you're having some fun. And those tape measures, we were like, we we're talking about things to give away. And I was like, whatever we do, we are not giving away any walkie tape measure. Because I have one. And every time it gets like more than three feet away from the tape measure, it goes off to the side. And you can measure nothing. So whoever got those, like, you're welcome. Like, those are... We, we, we got some good ones. I hope that they work for you and they last longer than mine do, which is usually about three weeks until I lose them. Uh, and then I buy another one, and then I find the old one. And then I have too many. Because if you have too many of things, you don't keep as well, you don't keep as good of track of it as if you only had one. And then I'm down to one again, but it doesn't happen quickly. And then I have none, but that has nothing to do with anything. So let's pray. Okay. God, we just thank you for this morning, for your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, we want to honor you with all that we do. God, we thank you that your word corrects, it encourages, it rebukes, and God, we receive it all. We thank you for what you are doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, real quick, show of hands. Raise your hand if you think you have ever been lied to. Raise your hand. All right, all right. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask to raise your hand if you've ever lied, okay, because most of you wouldn't because you're lying. I, I get that. I get that. But now... Most of the time, I think we know when we're being lied to. Sometimes we don't. But what's really funny is when people lie and you're like, it's obvious. Have you ever, ever seen an obvious lie? Like, um, we, had, we had a kid when I uh, was doing, doing high school years ago and was leading a small group. And we had this guy, um, Josh, who would lie. And he, he, he didn't know how not to lie. But he would lie about things that it's obvious that he was lying. I remember one time... We had finished biking, and, and we finished. We're like, hey, that was great. And he didn't, he didn't beat everybody back out. And so he comes out, and he's like, well, the other day I was here, and um, we were at Egypt Valley. And he's like, the other day I was here, and I did four loops in 30 minutes. And we're like, no, you didn't, Josh. We all just did it, and the fastest person did it in 36 minutes. You were behind them. You did not do four loops in 30 minutes. He goes, yes, I did. I'm like, this is an 11-mile loop. You did not, of, of off-road biking, you did not do four loops Okay, 44 miles and 30 minutes. You, you did not do that. And he's like, yeah, I did. And it just got to the point where it's like, okay, math means nothing to you. <laughs> Neither do numbers or reality, so we'll just stop, right? Like, okay. Uh, but it was obvious. It was obvious. And some lies, they really are that, right? It's just, it's just, it's just obvious. It's a, you walk into the kitchen and the little kid comes up to you and all you see is cookie crumbs everywhere. And like, did you eat the cookies? And they stand there with crumbs and chocolate all over them and they go, no. And you're like, mmm, the cookie's all over you, say otherwise. It's, it's obvious. But there's another type of obvious lie that I want to talk about today. See, I came across an article. Maybe you've seen this particular article, maybe you've seen some like it, but it said this, it said, really, where's the article? Ah, found it, there we go. Okay, it's out of the University of Cincinnati, and it said this, a university professor who gave a student a zero on her assignment for refusing to use the term, or excuse me, for using the term biological woman 
has defended her decision and said it's important to correct students who use outdated terminology. And, and, and you read stuff like that, and I'm a bit like, hold on a second. Like, this is somebody who's paying to go to college and is paying to be told that you can't call a woman a biological woman and that that's, that's an outdated terminology. And you're like, hold on a second. And I bring this up because, I bring this up because you and I are lied to every single day. But if we're not careful, even the obvious lies, we can begin to believe. It was Hitler who wrote in his autobiography that the great masses of people will more easily fall victim to a big lie than a small one. He also said this, he said, make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. They will believe it. Um, you and I are lied to over and over and over and over by society. But what that means is that makes the truth even more important. It makes the truth even more important. Because John 8.32 says this, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But if truth sets people free, then what does the absence of truth bring? It would bring bondage. We'd remain in bondage. So what I want to do is I want to just take some time and talk about some of the lies that our world is telling. Now, this applies to men a bit more specifically, but it's really being told to every single one of us. And if we're not careful, we can catch ourselves propagating things simply because we hear it over and over and over and over. But there is a battle raging. There are lies being told. And very specifically, there's a battle raging against men. Um, education wants to androgenize you if you are a man. Media wants to deceive you. Culture wants to castrate you before you are even able to understand what irreversible means in any bit, or even know how to spell it. They're willing to mutilate, destroy physically, chemically, however they can. Um, advertising wants to addict you. Government wants to tax you. Feminists want to neutralize you. And woke Christians want to soften you. If you are a man, you are in a battle. Um, you most definitely, definitely are. But then there's God, our Father, and he wants to make you like his son. He wants to make you like a son, tough as a lion and tender as a lamb. Um, so we're going to look at some lies that our world is telling, and then we're going to look at the Word and see what the Word of God has to say. Lie number one that we're going to hit today is this. Men are told, do not be manly. Do not be manly. Um, maybe you've heard it in those terms. Maybe you haven't. Uh, it's coming all around if you look at uh, what you watch, if you, depending on what, where you go to find it, uh, the majority of the movies you see, they're leaning towards what? Um, let me just say this. The princess does not get saved by a shining knight. Princess saves herself. Or the shining knight is the princess. Uh, it, it, it's just, do not, do not be manly. The APA, the American Psychological Association, in 2018 put out a guide. The guide was called Guidelines. For psychological patients, psychiatrical patients, with uh, practices, excuse me, with boys and men. So again, that's guidelines for psychological practices with boys and men. 
And it is to strive to recognize and address the problems in boys and men while remaining sensitive to the field's past. 13 years in the making, they drew on over 40 years of research showing that traditional masculinity is psychologically harmful. And I read that and I was like, okay, like, but what's traditional masculinity? Well, I'm Good question. I'm glad you asked. Page three of the guide says this. What is traditional masculinity? Well, it's anti-femininity. It's achievement. Got to watch that achievement. Uh, it's an askew of the appearance of weakness, uh, a desire for adventure, risk, or violence. And these have been collectively referred to as traditional masculinity. Like, I read that list and I'm like, I'm, I'm not feminine. Like, I love setting goals and, like, becoming who I need to achieve these goals. I hate, I hate being weak. Like, I can be soft. That's different. I can be tender, absolutely. But I, I, hate, I hate being weak. I love adventure. Like, come on. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, risk is a part of life. I'm not risk averse. I mean, no risk, no reward. No, I don't want to go, like, all the way over into the side of stupid, okay? I do understand. I do understand that. And then, like, I prefer to... Like, I prefer food that I've killed myself and I carry a gun. And I'm, I'm like reading through this list and I'm like, well, according to this, I'm psychologically harmful. Like, this is me. Like, this is me and they, they don't like me. But there is, understand this, there is a war raging against men. And I'll tell you why I believe it is so specific and so strong towards men. And that's that is men have been and are the gatekeepers to their family. And if the men will step out of the way, it will leave the women and children vulnerable. So there is a battle. There is a battle, and you're being lied to about what your role is in it over and over and over. But the truth is this, that God made men and women. And if we look right in the beginning, Genesis 5, verse 2, he created them male and female. That's two. And he blessed them and called them mankind. He created them male and female. In verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Because now we're going back and we're looking at creation and the sequence that God made them. That God had made man and woman had not yet been created. And God said, Look, it's not good for him to be alone. So I will make a helper comparable to him. Now that comparable... The Bible, of course, was not written in English. It was originally written, this portion, in Hebrew. And one of the translations that from that same word that we get comparable is opposite or other side. Like, we're, we're, we're different. Guys and girls are different. We're not the same. God made us different. He's like, look, it's opposite. If you got married and you thought, man, we're just so alike. This is going to be great. Like, two weeks in, you're like, we're not the same. We are different. We're not the same. Um, we've, we've got five kids, uh, we have two girls, and then we had three boys. And man, I got used to those girls, love it so much, you know, the first two, they're girls. And then, then Hunter came along, he was our firstborn son, and, and they were different. Uh, an example of that would be, um, when the girls were little, I'd be like, okay, don't, don't, don't touch that. For an example, we'll say it's, it's this music stand, I'd be like, don't touch the music stand. And the girls, the girls would be like, well, if... My foot touches it, does that mean I touched it? Because it wasn't me. 
And I'm like, yes, that counts. Please, please. I'm not like, well, what if I walk by it and I just, I just bump it? I'm like, yes, yes, don't bump. You touch, don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Well, can, and I'm like, okay, do you understand? Like, yes, well, but what about, I'm like, no, just, just don't, don't touch it. Okay, so I get used to that, and that's the girls. Well, then Hunter comes along, and I'm like, all right, same scenario. He's a little bit older. I'm like, hey, don't touch that. And he goes, what? I go, don't touch the music stand. And he goes, and he just touches it. I'm like, dude, I just told you not to. I just told you not to. So you take him up, and you're like, boom. And he's like, and he just does it again. Like, we're different. We're just not the same. He's a little kid. He doesn't know that it's different, but you're just, we're, just, we're just different. And it doesn't change just because we get a little bit older. We're not the same. God said we're opposite. We're different. One of those, one of those differences. I mean, you, you, take, you take a woman and she stands in the mirror and she's just all the right shape. And she looks at herself and is like, I'm so ugly. And then you take a guy. And he stands in that mirror, just all of him barely fits in the mirror. And he's just like, I am amazing. You are so lucky, honey. Like, woo. It, we're just, we're different. We're not the same. We are not the same because God made us different. And the world wants to just throw this all in this pot and say, well, ev every difference, it's, it's a socialized difference. It's our society making it and claiming it and calling it different. No, God made us different. And because of those differences, we treat each other differently. Because of some of those differences, we have different bathrooms. We are different. We treat each other different in life. 1 Timothy 5.1, do not rebuke an older man. But appeal to him as a father, to younger men as brothers, to older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The Bible's like, look, you're going to treat them differently. It's, it's not the same. We're not all the exact same. So what does that mean? Like, yeah, I open doors for women. Why? Because if you were my mom, I'd open the door for you. If you were my sister, I'd open the door for you, watch out, make sure everybody else opened the door for you, and if anybody got in your way, I'd be in their way. Because we treat them differently. In marriage, it's the same thing. 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. They're weaker. Most of the time, physically weaker. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're not. But most of the time, they are. But... Even beyond that, in the marriage relationship, the Bible says that the man is the head of the home, so they're in a weaker position. And so the Bible very specifically says, hey, husbands, treat your wives with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And then it goes on and it says this, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is talking to the guys. And God's like, look, you treat my daughter well. Otherwise, don't even pray. Like, just, just, just don't. Like, it'll hinder you. Just don't. And then to help you with some context, like, if you read the next verse, he begins to go into, like, widows. There's not the same, there's not the same warning for the women. For the wives, he's not like, and wives, you know, this is going to hit. He's like, no. Because we're not equal and we're not the same. And the husband carries a responsibility and God's like, you will handle this well. He says, treat them with respect. We are different. And just because you don't like sports, 
doesn't make you a girl or make it so that you should then say you're a girl so you can go beat girls. Like that's, that, that doesn't make you something you're not. You might be a little bit different than some of the other guys that you grew up with. That's okay. Um, an interesting, interesting case study on this would be Genesis. Genesis 25 talks about some brothers. And it says this. Genesis 25, 27 says, As the boys grew up, they, they were actually twins. This is Jacob and Esau. It says, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. Come on, sounds great. But Jacob had a quiet temperament and preferred to stay at home. Some translations will say, is he stayed among the tents. Like, they, they were just different. Now, it doesn't say Jacob was a girl and just didn't know it. But it doesn't say, it's like, no, he's just different. He's just different. If you like to cook and you're a guy, awesome. You know what we got right now? We got a bunch of guys that love to cook. Uh, the, the Sunday morning, the, we have breakfast for the dream team in between services. And most of the time, it's made by a bunch of guys. Sometimes there's other people that jump in. This morning, I actually heard that it was a little bit light. And so one guy fed the entire army. He's like, just went over there and did it and got it done. Because he likes to. He likes to cook. It's, it's okay to like to cook. But do not fall for that lie. It is okay to be manly. You don't have to be a grunting Viking that loves to kill and eat its own food. If you do, that's great. Like, I'm not against you. But it's okay. We are made differently. We're made different. We're not the same. We are not the same. Line number two is this one. Conflict is bad. Conflict is bad. Um, unless it's in a movie or on a video game, um, it's, it's bad, and you, should, you, you just should not do it. Um, don't, don't trigger anybody. Um, everybody should win, and everybody should get a, a participation trophy, and don't get offended, and, and speech is violence. So just, just conflict is bad. Um, no. No, I pray and I hope that you have some things that you know and you hold on to and you believe and you treasure enough that you'll stand and fight for. And like, well, where is that in the Bible? Well, Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't say the peacekeepers. It says the peacemakers. Not all conflict is bad. In, in relationships, can I just say, um, if you have a relationship where there's zero conflict, that is not a sign of health. And 99% of the time, that is a sign that somebody is being run over, that somebody's voice isn't even being voiced. A relationship should have conflict, but it should be good conflict. It should be, I disagree with this. And somebody else is like, well, okay, well, why? Like, why do you disagree? Well, because I think this is a much better option over here. Like, oh, actually it is. Good. You know what? You've never learned anything from anybody that didn't disagree with you. Like, they're, they're going to disagree, or they know something that you don't. That's, that, those are the options. Not all conflict is bad. A lack of conflict is. I read this this week. It said, unresolved conflict is 10 times more deadly than conflict. The idea of just sweeping everything under the rug because I don't want to disagree with anybody, and disagreeing might offend them. Well, get offended. If you're not offended yet, stick around a few more minutes. I'll get it. We'll, we'll get there. Like, it's, it's going to happen. The Bible says it is impossible that offenses would not come. We're going to, but that's okay. But if we have the attitude that all conflict is bad, we won't stand up for what we know is right. We won't stand up 
And when there's disagreements, we'll just assume, okay, well, we just won't say anything. We won't do anything. And what ends up happening in the relationships that we have that are like that, we end up with landmines everywhere. We just try to sweep it under the rug. And a love fern doesn't grow up. It becomes a landmine. And you walk around these people, and you're like, well, we can't talk about this, and we can't talk about this, and oh, don't mention that, and probably put that over here, because we don't want them to know that we went on that vacation, they can't see this, and we went with them, and we didn't invite them, and they're not over here, and so they're, ah! Because we won't just sit down and say, no, we're just, but if we will kindly just say conflict is okay and say, you know what? We're doing things different this year. As a family, this is what we're going to do. You're not invited. We love you, but you're, you're just not going to be invited. If you'd like to, uh, no. We, you know, we already decided it's just not happening this time. And, and just make it clear and be, be kind. Can I just say, clarity is so sweet. When you just clearly say something, all conflict is not bad. Years ago, years ago, I was talking with, with a guy, and I, was, I was with my brother-in-law. He's like, mate, you won't believe this, but, but talk, talk to him. I go, what? And, and he's, like, he's like, hey, 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 Jason. Um, he goes, um, tell, tell Samuel what you, what you told me. And, and he goes, well, I don't, I don't believe in violence. And I was like, Okay. I'm like, what's, what's so funny? He's like, no, 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 mate, mate, keep going. T tell him the rest. And I'm like, okay, okay, tell me. What? And he goes, well, and, and my brother-in-law starts poking at him. He's like, what would you do if somebody broke into your house? And he goes, well, they broke into my house. They're about to kill my wife. He's like, I'd have to just, like, do nothing. And I was like, no, like, no, like, like hold on a second. Did I hear you right? And he's like, I'd have to do nothing. And I was like, my daughter will never marry anyone like you. <laughs> never. Like over my dead body. With the, like, no. Because evil doesn't stop because you want it to. It stops when you'll get in the way and stop it. So I'm so grateful for the police officers that we have that do their jobs and do them well and stand up. And, and you and I have the options to carry guns and not carry guns. Why? Because a police officer says, I will every day, and I'll put myself in the way, and I'll be that last line of defense to stop someone who would want to do harm. Not all conflict is bad. 99% of the people who are yelling from the mountaintops that there should be no conflict and nobody should have any guns, again, are standing protected by people with guns. Not all conflict is bad. But when we have the idea that all of it is, all it's meant to do is to say, well, then, then you can't argue, you can't disagree. No, if you're offended by what I said, okay. It's not all bad. It is okay. Blessed are the peacemakers. The next slide that I want to hit today is this one. Success is found in what you have what you make, how many followers you have, how many zeros behind your bank account. Let me just say, that is not success. Things will not make you happy. You can, you can go after them, but they will not make you happy. There's, can I just tell you this? There's always another rung on the ladder as you climb. You can climb that ladder. You can climb the income. You can climb the bigger house. You can climb the better vacation. You can climb the, I've got the private jet. You can say, I've got the bigger private jet. You, what, you can, can climb all of it. There is always another rung. Until at some point, you just look and you're like, you realize it's empty. It's empty. 
It doesn't matter what education that you have, how much money you have, how many followers are there, how many zeros are in your bank account, and how many luxury cars are in your garage. Your life can still be empty. Those are not what fill life and make it great. It doesn't do it. Bill says, he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses it for my sake will find it. It's knowing your God-given talents, gifts, and abilities and using them to build the kingdom of God. God's given you a family. Take care of it. You don't have a family yet. Don't act like, well, the nothing I do matters because it does. Can I just say this? Marriage is not a restart. It's building on the foundation that you've already laid. And there's so many people who think, well, I'm single, and one day that will happen, and when that happens, that'll be different than what I'm doing. No, marriage is built on the foundation that you're building today, what you watch, what you do, who you do it with, all of it. It's built on top of that. That's where it is. Success is not found there. Now, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible, Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a story. In my Bible, it has a little, a little title over top of this story, and most of the world would look at this title and say it's nonsensical because here's, this is what the title is. The title is The Rich Fool. But our world, that, that is, that, that's nonsensical because if you're rich, you're not a fool. The only exception, the only caveat they can come up with why you could be rich and still a fool is because you inherited it. But other than that, that is their goal. And if you are wealthy, however you got there, you did it, you've arrived, la la, like you're rich. And so we want to know what you have to say, even though you know nothing about the subject, but you're rich. So that's, that's the rich fool. But here's what it says. Jesus starts off in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, and says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed, because life is not measured by how much you own. You know, it's Father's Day. And some people, they may be missing their dads. Some people are memor- have good memories. Some not the greatest, but it's another one of those moments that you look and you're like, stuff doesn't keep you warm at night. It's, it's family. It's the relationships that we pour into. Jesus says it, Luke 12, verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile arm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I do not have room for all these crops. Then he said, I know I will tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. Then I will have enough room to store all my wheat and goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored up. It's stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Like he's made it. He can retire at the early 35 or 40, whatever. He's like, I'm going to relax. I'm going to do what I want. This is it. I have arrived. The the entire world would hold this man up and be like, you have done it. Teach us, oh great one. You did it. He'd be hosting podcasts and invited on shows. How did you do it? This is so great. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get what you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth, but is not, does not have a rich relationship with God. There's a million things you can run after, but the most important one is a relationship with God. Because that's gonna help you to aim and to know how to prioritize everything else. All of it. 
every bit of it. This world is lying to you left and right. I pray that you would be grounded, that you would know what God's word has to say. That you'd recognize the propaganda and the lies that are coming. That you'd stand up. Men, I pray that you would have, you would know things that you hold so deeply. A family that you love so deeply. You said, I'd give anything to protect them that you would stand for. I pray that you'd stand at the door and guard your family. It can be incredibly difficult of what can and what do we allow in our home and who and when. But can I say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That if you'll pray and say, God, I need some help, help give you wisdom. You go out, we got a great men's group you can join up, you can get a part of, get in a small group of some people say, what is it that you're doing? Get around some people and learn. That you're a little bit older, how old are your kids? How, did they turn out well? They did? Okay, then help me, help me, what happened here? What do you recommend? And get some ideas, but stand. You know, the Bible, we look at, we look at the men of the Bible, and we see that they were both tender and tough. Jesus, the lion who was slain, he was a lion who laid down his life. Nobody took it, he simply gave it. When they came for him, he knew what price needed to be paid, so he willingly paid it. That is a lion who says, it'll stop with me. That's what he did. So he gave himself for you and for me. David in the Bible, if you look at David in the Bible, uh, he slayed a giant, and that's really what he's known for. A man named David, 2 Samuel. Do you know what else he did? He played a harp. <laughs> Every time I read that, I'm like, I just, I just put those two things together. Like, you got a little harp boy slaying a dragon. Yes, not a dragon. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's harp boy. And he's slaying the giant. Man. It's a, but it's just another picture that he could be tender. He's like, yeah, I can play an instrument. But I also lead men into battle. I rule a kingdom and I slay a giant. The bear came and he ripped it apart with his own hands, the Bible says. And then he went back and I could just pick him, picking up the harp <laughs> and singing a song. And he's like, those things don't really go together. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. You can be a man's man, but you can still protect your family and lay down your life for it. Sometimes that laying down that life is really easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's laying down our ambitions and the things that we want and being like, no, I'm not buying that new, that new toy because I'm going to take care of my family. Sometimes it's going to that job that you do not love, but it provides, it's the way that you provide for those that you love. And you're like, no, nope, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of it. I'm getting it done. You ever notice? Look it up. I don't have time, but look up the difference between stubborn and faithful, they're really close. They're really close. And you may have been called stubborn growing up as if it was a bad thing, but God wants to use that because you have this thing in you that you just will not quit. And God's like, I gave that to you because you're gonna need it because you won't quit on your marriage. You won't quit praying on your, for your family, for that lost family member. You will not quit. And God's like, that's not stubborn. 
that's faithful. That's you being faithful and standing on God's promises and not letting go. There's a battle raging. But we, we already know who wins. God says, I'm gonna, he wins. We're on that winning side. I pray for every single one of you men. My prayer is that you stand on God's word, that you know what it is. As the world lies, you just look and you recognize those lies. You reach out to those that are around you, say, no, that's not right. Gather around a group of men. Gather around a group of people that you're like, you know, we know. You build each other up. You look at the tools that God's given you and you say, look at the resources. Look at the relationships. Look at what God's given us. How are we going to use this to build the kingdom? And you begin to just look at your everyday. Say, God, how are you going to use me? You ask him to, he will. He'll give you an opportunity. Again, it's like giving that little kid that hammer. Suddenly, everything becomes a nail. You pray, you ask God to open up your eyes, and he will. He'll begin to show you new ways how you can be a blessing to those that are around you, how you can build the kingdom, how you can be tender as a lamb and yet tough as a lion. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never surrendered to him. The most important thing you can ever do is surrender and say, God, I need your help. I've made a mess of where I am, but I need you to come. And Jesus made a way. When he, as a lion, said, it stops with me. I said, I'll be the sacrifice, which is what that lamb represents. I'll pay the price so nobody else have to. All they have to do is ask and they will receive. And you're that they. If you ask, you can receive forgiveness, hope, and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. So if that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you this morning. If you're here and you say, today's the day I want to give my heart and my life to Him. I want to accept Him. I want to accept the sacrifice that He made Himself so that I could be free. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Then right in your seat, we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. If that's you, get ready. One, two, three. Shoot it up right now. Say, that's me. And today is my day. The day I'm giving my heart and my life. Would you bow your heads? Let's just pray. God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, today we declare that we will not give ground to the lies of the enemy. God, we'll hold up everything we hear and say to the truth of your word. Thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, we will. We'll use all that you've given us to build your kingdom. God, speak to us, lead us and guide us in all that we do. As we leave, we want to be your hands and your feet. Lead us and guide us in all that we do. And we thank you that you continue to work both in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.